Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. Nancy Pelosi went on this week, the ABC Sunday morning political show hosted by George Snuffleupagus, to discuss the Supreme Court vacancy shortly after RBG died. At first, it seemed pretty innocuous, but about halfway through the interview, she reboots. This is an unedited snippet of the exchange. When people say, what can I do? You can vote, you can get out the vote, uh, and you can do so as soon as possible. Ten states, as I said, on Friday, uh, started their early voting the the day that we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But to be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. Good morning. Sunday morning. The... uh, we have a responsibility. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. We have a responsibility to meet the needs of the American people. Uh, that uh, is uh, uh, when we weigh the equities, uh, protecting our democracy requires us to use every arrow in our quiver. Setting aside the vacuousness of what she eventually manages to articulate, highest-ranking member of the Democratic Party rebooted on live TV. There's been some rationalizations that the audio was screwed up or some other technical issue to explain the apparent reboot. Well, let's just presume her brain is mush at this point. Then there is a dang Cheeto in the hospital, and he's dangerously wheezy. And Biden is literally just trying not to die at this point. Our government is basically incompetent at the federal level, so where does that leave the concept of self-determination? The concept where a collection of people come together and make a collective decision. What the fuck kind of country self-determines that a generally preventable disease should kill 200,000 people? What kind of country self-determines that cops should be able to extrajudicially murder people? No body of citizens is actively advocating for these outcomes, yet here we are. The concept of self-determination is typically discussed at the international level. The UN defines it as, People have the right to freely choose their sovereignty and international political status with no interference based on respect for the principle of equal rights. We're going to discuss this concept, but at the local level, which is the only place where we believe self-determination can occur anymore. Self-determination would be great uh, if, of course, we could do that, right? Which means that at the federal level, you are pretty much just resigned to voting for whoever the major parties put up on the ticket which means the only real impact you're going to have is at the local level. And that's the theme that we have throughout worker movement is that everything should be done locally because that's the only real place that you have influence. Unless, of course, you're a billionaire who can influence every election in the world. You really should be reaching out to your friends and families and neighbors to make any real impact in your community. Because you're not a billionaire, there are still plenty of problems you can solve locally that you don't need federal help for. Now, it would be easier if the federal government would help, but they're clearly not. Uh, So we're going to talk about a number of issues that are local problems and go through some possible solutions to these problems. Yeah, and a lot of it has to, you know, circle around capitalism and the idea that your basic life around you has been commoditized or has been made into some profitable um, entity. And we'll go through that that list, but keep in mind that from the lens of a worker movement, everything that you need to survive is up for sale. And that's the trends and the themes we've been seeing with neoliberalism. So a couple of the problems to start off with, you know, the idea that you're going to need your top three uh, things for life, 
needs for life, which is your shelter, food, and water, or is it shelter, water, food? It doesn't matter. All of those things are are automatically, you know, put inside of a bucket and you get to pay for this. And people will say, go get a job if you need to survive. But again, those are all things needed for survival. Then you have electricity, um, which is needed for, you know, part of survival, running a refrigerator, running air conditioner, all the stuff that people, I guess, take for granted, but also say are luxuries, but also our needs in our life. And, and the, the systemic issue here is that each one of these has been at some point in time turned into a profit motive by somebody. So the reason why we want to act locally is that you have influence on every one of these things locally. You have influence on how water is distributed and what the costs are. You have influence on your electrical and how it's produced, electricity and how it's produced, I should say. Uh, maybe not at the local level, but more at the state level. You also have the ability to turn down permits where electrical production will be created. Uh, or produced, you have the ability to determine what kind of transmission laws are going to be there. You have a lot of things you can do locally on this. Food, you can make it sustainable uh, choices in your life, and you can also promote things like um, community gardens and things like that. And they also have housing. Everything at the local level is all about zoning and about all these rules for tenants in other parts of the whole housing projects. Right. Is somebody going to build estates or should they build high uh, density housing somewhere to let more people live in your in your neighborhoods? Right. All of those is, is a local um, issue that you have all the control over. And notice that you didn't explicitly list climate change, which is absolutely a problem, but it's not solvable at the hyper local level, which is why I didn't talk about it. Uh, climate change is way too ambitious to solve at the local level. Yes, there's some things we can do, but at the same time, communities like Flint don't even have clean water. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about water and this commodification of basic resources is we want to make it so that our communities have access to these basic resources and can self-determine that we value these resources. Yeah, and it just, just take water for um, and, and climate change at the same time. Right? We'll, we'll go after these at, this, at sort of why they're almost sort of diametrically opposed in, in resource allocation. Because an individual who is worried about clean water does not have the ability to have abstract construct thought about how do I go about fighting climate change. If your basic needs are not met, you're unable to meet the needs of everybody else, of the world around you. And so it's it's a way that capitalism keeps you divided and keeps you basically your head down and keeps you distracted. So if you're constantly worrying about food and how you're going to pay your bills and what school your kids are going to go to and what the water quality is and how you're going to pay rent and how you can get to work because you're an individual who's driving to work and not taking public transportation because it doesn't exist in rural America or the suburbs. All of these things that hold you down, you cannot focus on, on climate change. And so until we address all of these issues at the local level, we are unable to address the major ticket items like pollution, uh, climate change, world hunger, all the things you see advertisements for, but you're unable to actually put your thumb on and control. Yeah, your material conditions prevent you from making these large, massive changes, and you have to focus on the local problems, uh, your basic resources, your water, your food, your shelter, your electricity, your your wastewater, your natural gas, like kind of the, the nominal, basic, modern needs uh, that you have to worry about that you don't have time to spend worrying about climate change, about world hunger. You, you, it's not that you don't care, it's that you have no ability to influence it, which brings us back to why we should act locally.
So part of the problem with why these issues occur locally is because we have governing bodies that are not in any way, shape, or form responsive to these problems. And we kind of just highlighted that in the intro with the federal government, but this also happens in your local government as well. Right, which is why, you know, being as local as possible to alleviate some of the stresses on people, and it's not going to be a short-term solution, this is a long-term play here, means that we can start to divert those resources and, and the energy it takes to think and stress about that, we begin to divert those up to the next level up, which is the state level. And the reason why we keep focusing on, on local is until we address all the needs locally and until we get the energy moving in the right direction, people are going to focus on the material conditions around them and they won't have the energy to focus upwards. So we keep building locally and we keep, I hate saying electoralism, we, keep, we, we win the elections, but we basically put down city councils that are responsive to the people and not to businesses, responsive to the communities around you. That moves up to the the next level up in, in the United States, that would be the state level or the county level. And as we move up and build this out, and again, it's not built, you know, overnight, this does take up uh, years of infrastructure to build out. Uh, you can begin to focus on, on things like climate change. Now, the issue is that climate change, we don't have time, really. But at the same, you know, opposed to that, again, is that you don't really have the power to do anything about it besides very small actions that do add up if everybody did it. But again, it's all about local interactions. That is really what will affect climate change in the world around you. So if you're going to engage in electoralism, you should do it at the local level and build up until you actually have power at the larger districts is kind of our point. So let's talk a little bit about the solutions. So in our clip, we kind of, uh, I think, fairly directly attacked the notion that uh, old people with uh, sawdust for brains shouldn't be in politics. And uh, I, I think that's a kind of an important component to this whole discussion is having people in power that are actually competent is going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, right now we're, we're kind of seeing that they're incompetent, which is in some parts good because they're not able to implement their devious schemes to increase capital's you know, power. Uh, this is kind of Trump. These are the Pelosi's of the world that they, they haven't done anything ever. And not because they don't want to, but because they're really incompetent. The, the Chuck Schumer's of the world, Part of the solution is to try and just elect competent people locally. Yeah, and, and electing competent people means that you have to have individuals who have been, I don't want to say identified, because self-identification also works, but individuals who want that challenge, because it's not something you just dial into or, or call into. Like You have to be there to really want to change things. And it also means that, that if that's your leader, you have to be willing to either be the leader or be a good follower. And in, in, in order to have the leadership follower, you know, dynamics, that means you have to be able to sacrifice your own time to push and, and really get somebody elected. And then it also means having influence in community groups, because those are actually what drive elections, not yard signs, not shitty TV ads or radio ads. It's basically it's basic communities within your community. So sub communities communicating with one another and having the influence with each other that actually determine what the outcome of the vote is. So these small subgroups that you talked about are, uh, you know, perhaps local institutions, uh, maybe they're local charities, they're local sports, you know, entities like the youth sports, like baseball, soccer clubs, whatever they are. Yep. Yep. That are present in your community. Uh, maybe they're church groups. Uh, and then you have some more of the government entities. And these are your school districts, uh, maybe your county board, your city council. Uh, another institution that exists are things like homeowners associations and maybe business groups. 
um, that have like a, an elected board. They have legal kind of standing with power over members. And so you can take each one of these institutions and kind of figure out what, what their motivations are and uh, kind of bend them to, to what maybe you think or what you want to happen in terms of increasing access to these basic resources. Yeah, and all this takes a centralized viewpoint that everything you do has to move towards change. And that means you might have to get out of your comfort zone, to talk to somebody, and if not, at least figure out a way to communicate that's within your comfort zone and championing not just a single cause, but all the causes. So, you know, we get hyper-focused on I'm, I'm fighting for better schools, right? Or I am fighting for better water. But what you're really doing is you're fighting for the collective and under the terms of collectivism. So you're not just fighting for an individual thing. You're fighting to make your community better and society better. So those are the real arguments that you should be sort of coalescing around and fighting for is the ability to change what actually matters to everybody. So better schools, of course, better water, of course, better air. Yes, cheaper electrical rates so people can actually afford electricity and not shutting off uh, people that are behind, of course. Uh, holding people accountable for uh, the pollution that they spill in, in your land, right? Holding businesses accountable, of course. Opening up public areas so that more people can use it. So, you know, why do we have golf courses that are county-owned when we should have parks that are county-owned? Things like that. Fighting for real change means you're fighting for the collective, not the individual. And and each one of these institutions kind of fights for their own individual members. These institutions, like your sports leagues, uh, and they have you know maybe control over the the baseball field or the soccer field at a public park, but they're a private institution. So how do how do they have so much say over what happens on public land? Well, this is again kind of a problem of neoliberalism, where public goods have been sort of transferred to private entities. And these types of things are an impediment to changing how these resources are accessible by the general public. So we can talk about how uh, parks uh, are a basic resource because you need to be able to exercise or whatever. Uh, but in order to actually make that happen, you have to identify these local institutions that are impediment to this. And so in this example, it's the sports leagues. And maybe it's your parks and recs board or whatever of your city that is like privatizing their entire responsibility to some private entity identify that and challenge it right let's let's take a look at uh, a couple of these as examples uh the one is let's talk about the sports league so what happens every year uh that you don't know is that the quote-unquote nonprofit that's in charge of the uh, baseball league will have already talked to and coordinated behind closed doors with the city manager, whoever's in charge of the parks to get their times already pre-slated as organizations in order to get the, the right times for baseball practice and um, field usage or soccer, whatever the league is doing, which then means any other club that comes through is not able to get that time because it's already been given to this private organization, which then means that the city manager doesn't actually need to do any managing because another private entity has already figured out how he's going to best utilize that field. So then at the end of the year, when he says we have a 75% utilization rate of our baseball fields, we shouldn't get rid of them. In fact, we should expand them. It's because a private entity has been asking for more baseball fields and they've been using them exclusively for baseball. But had those baseball fields not existed in the con, you know, in, underneath the public land, they would have been used for other things like public parks or playgrounds. 
And then that private entity would have had to come up with their own baseball fields. And so it's that marriage between the two, the, the idea that a private institution uses all this land and then can request more that then hinders the rest of the society who doesn't use the baseball field because only a very small amount of children are actually participating within baseball. So take baseball and let's scale it up to something like water. Same idea applies. You have a water company. Uh, they've come in and they've said, we're going to provide water to everybody in your town or city. The city goes, whatever. It means we don't have to do anything. Oh, but we want to set rates. And the city goes, oh, well, I, I mean, set your rates to whatever you want because, I mean, we're not doing anything. So it all comes back to this idea of local control. And in this situation with baseball, with water, you have a private entity dictating what is sort of in the best interest of their shareholders, their profits, and the needs and hopes of the people aren't really considered because it's already handled through profit motive. So the city just says, okay, whatever, that's fine. And this is an example where the actual voters can't self-determine, like, well, we, we value baseball fields, so let's ensure that we have enough baseball fields, but we don't want to transfer our you know, desire for baseball fields to some private entity so they can make money. Same with water. We value water, so we should make water accessible to all without regard to what the private you know, utility wants to make in terms of profit. Yeah, and the other part now is that if these private entities come in for profit, they're going to come in with their lawyers, big, big dollar lawyers, to write contracts that are super terse and hard, hard for anybody to read. And then what's going to happen is that they're going to offer you know some sweet deals initially to city council. And they're going to sign the paperwork, not realizing that the contract holds them in perpetuity for the next 50 to 100 years. And then by that time, you've already had, you know, let's see, 50 divided by two, 25 elections for city councils went by, meaning that the citizens no longer have control over what the water rates are because it's been lost to two and a half generations. And that goes back to having competent elected officials where nobody competent would sign over the city's authority for 50 years. I like just why would you do that? They did it in Chicago for parking. You can look that up. I think it's a 100-year contract, and the rates keep going up. Why? Because it's profitable. People had to park downtown. And the city the city council people, they don't really give a shit at all. Because they closed a budget hole that, that they created, or a business created by asking for bullshit payouts. Like, oh, can you alleviate our taxes for six years so that we can repay the cost of the building and revitalization downtown? That's all bullshit, by the way. That's why we need competent people. So the, at the end of this, your takeaway should be find a way to run, run in every election, please and thank you, everywhere. Everywhere from city council to school board to the library board, get involved as much as you can to local law because that's where you have the biggest influence and that's where the biggest fights need to take place. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.